Hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of Play the Ball podcast. My name is Neeraj and as always I'm joined by my friend Sai Prasad. Today we will we will be looking at the double game week which had some really surprising results, great matches and a few matches with disappointing results as well. So Sai what do you make of this game week? Um before we get into that, uh I must also mention to our listeners that this game week also saw a lot of the big so called top 6 clubs also drop a lot of points which basically sums up the season isn't it so it's been a really bizarre crazy season you never know what to expect from any match yeah i mean it was quite a crazy week because i saw all the top clubs uh, you know drop points here and there and uh, i mean arsenal even drop points but that's not surprising to be honest because of their poor form they are in right now and uh, i think the right place to start is with liverpool because i would say they had a better speed peak and where they actually had a pretty dominating title uh, challenging game against a, a tottenham side but also they were sad that they kind of dropped two points against fulham so let's just start with the fulham game to you know and i was quite surprised with the way fulham played to be honest because they in the recent weeks they looked like a more determined side to be honest their characters looked much better they started the game in front foot and that was a great liverpool eleven to be honest and that was good enough to you know, dominate and beat the fulham side but it was almost like they were a clops in disguise because they were relentlessly pressing and relentlessly pushing all the energy forward uh, they should have been clearly to turn up or clean up in the first half and they they deserve to win the game if you ask me and uh, like uh, it's quite surprising you know to see a team which is in the relegation fight compete against the table toppers and i think that's what the beauty of the premier league is and even the expected uh, goals were in favor of them until they got the penalty and uh, that, that that was a quite entertaining game you wouldn't even know that it was a game against a title i mean a game versus a title challenging side and a relegation side like what did you make of that did you were you surprised with the way fulham performed i'm really quite surprised are you uh, you're absolutely right i was not a, at the beginning of the season as uh, if you go back to the beginning of the season where you know uh, fulham first took on arsenal on the opening day of the new season that and that fulham basically showed me you know what this side is going to get relegated there have been a lot of issues regarding the uh, directors of the club not investing enough not doing enough to and they lack that spirit or you know the they lack the mentality to get in and it did not help that scott parker is a very young manager young energetic ma- manager but he's learning things as it as and when he goes by so there's a lot of those factors so i was really you know expecting fulham to just go down with the fight but like you mentioned the last few weeks there has been a let's say a resurgence maybe not so much in terms of points but in terms of at least how they're battling it out or how they're giving opposition teams a fight so if you actually, so coming back to liverpool you you're right i know liverpool had like close to 75% of the position but um if you if you look at the stats uh, fulham created three big chances up, as opposed to liverpool's one right and that's a big deal and if you see the number total number of chances created as well uh, fulham has created eight uh, over liverpool six that's a big deal against clubs and like you said it was a f- almost a full strength squad so full credit to fulham there i am um, penalty again uh, 
soft penalty not sure there are there was other penalty call that was not given as well so dodgy here and there but fulham deserve the results i think they will be extremely proud of themselves uh, after that result fear of liverpool i think they kind of uh, realized that they were playing poor and they kind of were better in the second half but they weren't that better enough to you know take points away which you know says a lot about fulham's resilience not to give away even the one point and they got a crucial point against brighton as well who are not getting their results in favor even though having a great performances but this is definitely you know uh, going to be a confidence boost for the fulham side because even every single point is you know crucial in the relegation race right now with you know potentially four or five teams being that poor to get relegated and uh, now let's slowly for more focus on to liverpool and uh, you know talk about their dominating game against uh, uh, tottenham and if you ask me i think this is the game where joe got what is served for playing this negative football for the past few weeks i wouldn't say i mean i'm not again saying this is not football and you know all those crazy statements which other managers do because i definitely I mean this is also football like counter attacking is also a style of football but then going too negative in all these games uh, you kind of knew that one day or the other this decision is going to backfire you and i was kind of expecting going to the game that liverpool had the quality to break the defense down and you know uh, win this game but uh, i mean credits to tottenham defense as well they kept it under control for the most part although liverpool are dominating in the possession they did create some good chances which were they didn't finish it efficiently because they almost hit it straight to loris and almost everything was easy save and uh, credits to dyer and alderweireld as well for putting in all those blocks and crazy blocks and you know stop that dominating performance from going into a 2 or a 3-0 lead and this team had great counter attacking chances which you kind of expect from uh, a kane and son led attack and their finishing was crisp over this game to be honest and they were not creating those two three crucial chances which they created in the counter attack i think bergwijn missed a easy goal and he missed he hit another into the hoodberg and kane missed the header so son missed another goal so this was uh, i mean i wouldn't say uh, um, i can i mean uh deserve liverpool victory because to be fair tottenham also had some chances but i think if you're putting the weight on one side or the other i would say liverpool deserved it more than tottenham did do you think anything different or what do you make of the game total um yeah yeah i guess maybe it's again like you said it's very difficult to outright say liverpool deserved it they played well make make no mistake they did play well they created lots of chances and you know uh, they had almost 11 shots on target but um, it's like you said most of them went more or less closer towards lorries or there were some great defensive blocks uh, from dyer and alderweireld along with hoiberg and that's a thing um say with uh, jose mourinho side uh, the cl- clinical finishing right of your forwards any other day with the same stats it could have been 3 2 4 with uh, you know with uh, bergwijn if he had scored the one on one or uh, woodwork is fine but, but if he scored the one on one or a kane's uncharacteristic missed uh, chance he usually buries that 
so if that the, one of these three or four big chances went in uh we would be talking we would be singing a different tune right so jose is taught uh, all it's always been like that it's not just restricted to tottenham uh, throughout his career most of his uh, football has been like that he depends extremely a lot on clinicality and one thing that has to be pointed out with the with this tottenham side it's even though you see the stats the number of chances will be created very less or something like that if you actually go back and see most of the games the better and the bigger chances are always with tottenham because when they do when the rare occasion that they do create chances they make sure that they are high quality chances that they create and it's not just you know like if you take this game uh, liverpool versus spurs uh yes liverpool created a lot of chances but most of them were they were taking shots through a wave of players in between three four defenders or their own players and if you look at the chances tottenham created they were proper clear cut chances and this is something they work on the training ground and unfortunately for jose and the spurs i did not come up at anfield the other night so but um it's hard to say and especially you know uh, being a united fan it's hard to say if outright that liverpool deserved it but it's a fair result and it's a massive three points to in this title race and liverpool slowly getting back into the groove again um in spite of uh, injuries and here and there setbacks especially after their drop points against fulham so massive three points and uh, as for tottenham um it's again it's a marathon not a race they have been doing well i suspect they will continue to perform the same way and to be fair i think yeah i think liverpool is only top side they have managed to lose to i think they lost, they were on a four or five game streak of you know clean sheets i think as far as i know in the premier league so i think they'll continue to be the same way um so let's see where it goes from here yeah like i totally agree with you uh, spurs did clear, create create the most clear cut chances there but then that was kind of expected going into the game and that's that is club wanted to take before going to the game as well because he was telling this is the only way you can beat the liverpool side to put the bodies forward to break that defense because they were defending so deep you know six to seven man in the back and uh, this is actually as you mentioned a statement victory for liverpool because this three points is going to be massively important in their title charge which can potentially be the difference between running away from the title or competing for the title in the month of feb or march because you know with the injury ridden squad they have right now and they lost this game or had they dropped points in this game it's going to be difficult to catch up to spurs who are done with their difficult fixtures and are moving into quite a quite a easy fixture uh, so this three points is going to be really important and ho- they hope that they can continue with this momentum and move forward uh, now that they have kind of a set squad with at least a, a really good uh, first level and as of tottenham they had a quite a poor week because they lost to crystal palace and, i mean they drew against crystal palace and they lost to uh, liverpool and the one question which i want to ask you is that do you think this kind of football is going to affect uh, jose's plans in the future because you know as we talked about in the previous episodes they have quite a lot of good teams this uh, this year and you know if he has to go with this defensive setup for particular i mean many games it's going to be tough because sometimes it's going to come back and bite them and even the players i don't think they would be happy when the results go against their favor because 
so do you think Jose needs to stick to this setup in the long run or do you think he needs to change with the kind of quality he has in the attacking lineup? I mean, the same sort of setup he has had success for over 20 years now. So, and it's evidently bringing the, uh, the results for Tottenham as well. And the result against Liverpool sh- should not change anything, according to me. I mean, whatever we say about or whatever we feel about his tactics, they are effective till now. And if, again, um, we talk about these chances created and all that, but if we, we would have been singing the dif- a different tune if uh, Tottenham forwards actually took the chances this time around, because they've been so clinical the entire season, Kane and so on, especially. And for once, again, at Anfield, they were not. So that is all that makes a difference. Whether he wants to change his tactics or not, uh, I don't think he should because he is getting the best out of Kane and Son and that's what's that important for Tottenham right now. And leaving the football aspect aside, you hear all these managers complaining about the TV fixtures and all that. Maybe his sort of style is actually making them more efficient than ever. For once, they're not actually plurged with, you know, uh, uh, injury problems. And it's partly maybe because of the way he sets his team up. He, do, he doesn't press high. His, way, uh, his teams, he, the Tottenham uh, uh, squad always presses situationally and it's not all the time. He uses a hybrid zone, uh, zonal marking system. So all this, all this kind of ma- or tactics or the way he sets his team up is kindly efficiently it's kind of efficient for the squad right now especially here it's very important for them to maintain son and kane's fitness and especially after they got a couple of more forwards in bale and vinicius that he's actually able to rest them for europa league as well and for other cup competitions so whether we like it or not i personally feel his uh, his team organization or team organization will help him get through the this uh, the uh, festive fixtures where there's a lot of matches going to come thick and fast and if it's working for him just he has to continue there's no point uh, change, um, changing these tactics right now so I think Tottenham will continue to be like that again like you pointed out it can backfire I think they started off really well I, I, was, I was watching the first half the Tottenham was really good in the first half and second half after a point when he realized he was not getting the second goal, he decided to drop off and drop deep. And that backfired because Crystal Palace equalized. And they dropped two very two important points there. So it can backfire, definitely. But um, that's just the way Jose plays. So we just have to live with that. Yeah, if it's working for you, might as well continue doing it. But then the main problem comes when the results don't go in the favour after these performances. Because when they drop points... Uh, playing this style of football, players are obviously going to be demotivated because they know that they have the talent to go head-to-head with any side in the league. And uh, that's where I think the problem lies. But but then on the other hand, we are talking about Tottenham and the players and the club have never seen trophy for a long time. So they are going to take this kind of a football with the end result being a trophy. Uh, so they're going to be happy about it. And I think even the fans not being in the stadium kind of helps Jose because the fans, they want to see attractive football and, you know, they will be pushing them to play attractive football. And, yeah, as a whole, I think the club is going to take this uh, if the result is getting trophy. 
and they are definitely on charge to get in one of them and because they look to be in a pretty good form and the system seems to work uh so yeah let's move on from this part to the next club which i want to talk about is chelsea because they had a poor week if you are to be honest they lost 1-0 to everton and they lost uh 2-1 to wolves in the last minute uh winner by pedro neto and this is this is a really interesting stat which is uh, which is going on as a banter on twitter where they haven't beaten a top 14 side in the league table right now or top 10 if i'm not wrong uh so yeah that's quite shocking right you know we all talk about the level of investment they put in with the level of talent they have and the way they started the league where they had pretty good performances and we are also speaking in between about their dull performance against the big sides where they were quite of afraid to go all out and lose points and uh, that seems to be the case as well because that's that's shocking to be honest uh not getting a win against a top 10 side or top 14 side in the table right now what do you think of that neeraj and uh, like what do you make of chelsea season in general because i think right now even united caught up with them after having a horrendous start to the season even with the game in hand and we don't seem to criticize chelsea as much as we do to united um the bigger the club they are obviously uh, obviously united is always going to be under microscope we'll come back to that actually when we come back uh, when we talk about united but coming to chelsea is actually quite shocking like you say because it's one thing not you know getting in a result out of the top, other top clubs manchester city or manchester united or spurs or liverpool but to not get a result out of you know from a top yeah like you said top 12 or top 14 clubs that's shocking and for the size of the squad they have the talent in the squad that they should be doing better than that to be honest if if they have been playing well against the weaker teams they have been scoring goals they have been stat padding as we call it it is great we have we have to get results against the bottom side but when will you start getting results out of the biggest uh, bigger teams the difference between a mid table club a top four club and the and a champion is the result and the performance you can get in the big games or the games that matter and in a very consistent way you can't expect to win the championship by scoring let's say three or four, go- four goals against let's say sheffield this season and then go on to like have losses and multiple draws against teams like everton wolves and the other top six sides that is not acceptable initially when it when the season first started out you could always say that you know uh there's a lot of new talent coming in incredible talent incredible talent coming in and lampard needs time to find his proper system out and all that um, you know issues that every manager face when he has a lot of new players coming in but it's 13 game weeks in a row havertz has not contributed to goal in premier league since southampton werner has been in shocking form i have no idea what's going on uh, werner has his touches is po- his touches are poor he's missing chances he's mis- missing not very difficult chances chances either is actually for a striker of his quality in last season he was putting these chances away so i don't really understand what uh, what's happening in werner i think one possible reason could be that because chelsea has a lot of in, in uh, injury concerns in their wing department they have nobody right now i think police just came back 
and Werner is now put on the left to play as a playmaking winger or play playmaking forward, which he is not. He he is just one of those people who likes to run behind the defense, finds pockets of spaces in between the center backs or the full backs and center back, and exploit the space they give. Maybe that could be one of the reasons, but tact tactical reasons will not explain why your touches poor or why your uh, you know your short conversion is becoming extremely poor, and this, especially knowing that the standards that we place for Werner. and the defense has been doing okay but again there is always something uh, there's always something about that zuma silva partnership they're very solid they're extremely solid i, I think zuma is kind of getting underrated because uh, nobody is speaking of him that much he is actually doing really well but they, they, they are making an occasional mistakes in them there is an occasional mistake in them and unfortunately for chelsea those mistakes are getting punished and you can't just blame the defense though you uh, it's it's on the entire team it's it's a it's a organizational mistake so it again comes down to the coaching uh, staff as well so it's something chelsea really need to look at because i think as far as I remember they had it they played for the draw against united at old trafford it is a dull draw they had a very similar dull result against tottenham as well they defended quite okay against liverpool until you know uh, the red card and the kepas mistake and it goes on and now again like you said poor week they lost everton 1-0 they again lost to wolves as well last minute by a wonderful goal by neto um so that's something for them to look into you know sai because spending so much money chelsea were considered title contenders there's nobody's kidding themselves they are title contenders and a squad challenging for titles does do not perform like that against all the other clubs and uh, that's something for lampard for look at uh, to look at yeah i mean uh, you mentioned about the injury crisis but i don't think we necessarily need to put this down to injury because there's such a deep squad that they have depth everywhere and they miss zh and achanoda right now but other than that their squad is pretty much fit and uh, uh, even for about werner and i think he works better when there is a target striker where he can make the runs around him because he seemed to work very well under tammy abraham and uh, lampard brought in jerrod out of nowhere after his crazy performance against sevilla i mean obameyang is getting ridiculed for not scoring for a long time and Werner seems to go under the radar, and I don't know why that's happening. Uh, but then you need to blame it on Lampard as well, because, for example, let's take the match of Wolves, where Lampard suddenly kind of switched the wings from the switch. Pulisic was playing really well, and he swapped in the wings where he was kind of nullified. And those are the kind of small mistakes which seems to be affecting Lampard in his favor. And also, Havertz form is not helping the helping him well because. Havertz pretty much lost every duel against Wolves, and I think he just won one duel, and that's kind of worrying if you are the main creator of that side because you want that your number ten to be you know physically dominant in front of the box to pull strings there and to lose balls uh, quite a lot of time because of the duels is quite worrying for Lampard to be on, and I think he needs to put the handbrakes off you know and start playing more attacking. Uh, 
in in the areas because that's the squad he has right now and he needs to play play to their strength and yeah that's that's probably because on paper they're probably the second or third best squad in the premier league right now and they don't seem to perform like a second or third best squad and it's all well and good to get good points against uh, low table sides which is quite dominant but then uh it's i think in that case it just comes down to you know pure talent difference with between those sides and there are the kind of games you pretty much know that you're going to win but when it comes to these sides it's it comes down to both the managers and the players and everybody seems to be underperforming in this game and uh lampard needs to pull things up you know start worrying about the problems in the attacking because in the everton game if i'm not wrong they never had a shot on target after 28 minutes which is worrying stat if you are a chelsea attack so yeah uh, that's something chelsea needs to think about and let's see where they go on from yeah agree sai um, that's something for them to um, to ponder over and wolves and before we move on uh, i just want to ask you sai um, how much of a big potential is uh, podens and neto they are incredible uh, incredible talents i find i find them both great hard workers they have always been the potents especially they have been working extremely hard uh, they work the soccer and not only do they do that they are actually providing wolves with an option uh, with a threat um, up front and it's really great to see because as we all know wolves has been you know bringing in the portuguese players on the um, Liganos and the Portuguese league as well. So a lot of talents are getting undiscovered and for me the uh, Podence and uh, Neto are going to be uh, two of my standard players breakout players this season. Uh, incredible incredible performance once again against a top quality side like Chelsea. Yeah, like with Raul not being in the side right now, they wanted someone to step up and uh, I think to be fair they have been playing pretty well for the entire season because uh, as you said they are clearly hard workers they seem to fit in nono system well they are great dribblers and the goal by podens was simply fantastic you know controller controlled it in the box like that and you know to curl it in front in the near post that was just fabulous to watch and uh, as you mentioned here this credits to the wolves scouting system though they seem to unearth these gems from especially from the portuguese league even fabio silva seems to be a good talent right now where he is filling in the boots of raul to an extent and yeah uh, that that's great i mean they are playing even without adama traore which is uh, which was one of their main threats in last season so this two these two players are actually stand out performances for performers for them which culminated in the victory against chelsea and yeah i agree um, this they replaced your talk pretty well that's what i want to say yeah because we were always worried because um, diogo diogo hota was an extremely important player for wolves last season and even even when the season began as well so it was for nuno it it was extremely important to find a like likewise re- replacement for him or somebody who will fit into the system well and and lucky for him the, these two young, young players have stepped up so uh, it's 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 working out for them it's working out for uh, nuno and that's great to see yeah now i think uh, we almost covered the main talking points here just let's just quickly cover some of the other important happenings which happened and the one thing which seemed to be a 
great talking point of this game week was a uh, man city versus west brom which actually ended 1-1 where uh, john stone again had a great performance in manchester and as the uh, result ended you kind of thought that slavin blitch's job is safe but then a shocking news happened where he got sacked and he was replaced by big sam to save them out of relegation and what do you think of this whole thing niraj of um it, that's that's kind of a tricky one sai because um, yeah just like fulham again very similar case to fulham they didn't uh, they were better than fulham obviously but they did not show that same uh, spirit or the fight that they're showing right now and i thought west brom would go, um, start improving slowly because their performances have been better they're actually sort of playing well and belich is always a great coach i i actually really like belich he's a really good coach so um kind of shocking but i think especially what the owners must have had in mind is all the covid situation too with all the financial constraints it's going to be even more of a burden if they had to get relegated at some point or the other so i think they felt it was safer to call in probably the greatest manager in save you know relegation battles to be honest sam sam analyze and you know when this sam analyze in your squad you will get your you you're almost guaranteed safety to be honest that's how good he is in the relegation battle he has a unique set of skills and um, kind of shocking but if you look if you try to look at the whole bigger picture um, with all the financial aspects of stuff maybe it's not so surprising we have already gone through like 13 game uh, game weeks and you know west brom and really not get got into it yet and so they would have been last on the table if sheffield were not going through a horrendous run of form too so um, i have to say it's it's kind of difficult to say because uh, i i was shocked initially but then like i said uh, if you look at the bigger picture then it sort of makes sense why they went for big sam and it's been a while since we have seen big sam it's been a close to 3 years i believe since he last managed a club uh, obviously with all the england controversy as well so uh, you know west brom is going to be a really tough side to play against now that's for sure yeah like i agree with the fact that they kind of needed the change to you know uh, get them out of the relegation because of the covid crisis and the financial things around it but then it's kind of sad that the managers who get the club out of championship into the premier league is, are not getting rewarded mostly and they are getting dropped for their poor performances which is quite expected from a defensive or side coming from the championship and uh, uh, that's there and talking about the other side where man city they really dropped two points against west brom and they dropped two points against city i mean united as well which is was a boring manchester derby in recent years which i don't think we're going to be talking about because there is pretty much nothing to talk about in the game and pep is quite underperforming in the squad right uh, granted like they do miss aguero though who can be the difference between this and a dominant side where he is kind of clinical in front of the box but then they should be performing more than what they are in the table right now uh, we cannot expected them to be giving liverpool run run for their money the top uh, but a lot of different factors affected that uh, but do you really think they are underperforming or are we going to put everything down to the injury crisis that they are right is just finishing sai uh, mostly it's finishing there is he has he has had a lot of tactical faults as well this surprisingly is okay to see pep 
see pep make a tactical mistake in one off game but he's becoming he's becoming conservative i think gary neville raised a great point because in the manchester derby that possibly one of the worst manchester derbies i've seen in recent years you start manchester manchester united is going to take the point away they had just lost they just knocked out of the champions league uh they need the result, good result so they will take that point and go away but city through the entire game i think apart from a couple of chances they have been happy to you know just pass the ball around and they were extremely conservative i think possibly because in that match because of united's counter attacking threat and i think in last season we have all seen how vulnerable city's defense looked when teams counter attack them and that is why he's playing with two dms now uh, instead of your one so a lot of tactical issues i personally feel but more than that like you said they lack the cutting edge finishing that's a big problem if for example if you take the match against west brom i think somewhere i've read i think the xg for west brom was around 0.3 0.4 and uh, sterling alone had around 1.2 and none of them have finished and that's extremely worrying for pep if you if manchester city has to really be considered tight title challenger and to be right at the top that they have to finish off chances they have to be more clinical and as far as i know i think pep has said that he's he will be in the market for him he will be in the market for a striker i believe as a traditional number 9 as a replacement for aguero so i think that's something they really need um, i think the defense they've sorted it out after ruben diaz came bit of a shaky start but i think he's been extremely solid uh along with i think john stones is also g- g- having a uh, run in the squad as well so i think defensive part is they're doing okay city i think last season has changed pepper quite a bit and uh, it's the lack of the cutting edge that's a problem now uh, for city because if you look at the manchester derby as an example de, de bruyne is your usual you know typical quality crosses your passes just this nobody at the end of any of those cross- crosses Jesus is good but he he is no aguero he is no number 9 who anticipates balls and makes a run inside and that's something that city is uh, seriously lacking right now yeah i mean their defense is actually pretty good to be honest and they are scoring very few goals than what they can actually can because that's actually worrying stat and i think you summarize it pretty well it comes on both to the tactics and to the finishing abilities as well and yeah they massively need a new striker if they can even remotely challenge for the tops uh, i mean top 2 or you know i think the title is far from over but if they have to be in a con- convincing champions league spots they need a new striker because they can't rely on aguero for so long in the season because there is more chances of him getting injured than being fit for the entire season uh, so yeah uh, that's manchester city and if you're talking about the other uh, manchester club they seem to pull results uh, even after going down and that's a good thing if you talk about uh, their mentality but it's also a worrying thing that they give away goals like that but we briefly talked about united in the previous few episodes so we're just going to keep it simple uh, they had a good week where they take four points which they are quite happy with and they seem to move fourth in the table if i'm not wrong the game in hand and that's that's a positive result for them do you think they can contend for the title neeraj because that's where they are right now 
um i think in one of one of our earlier episodes we talked about this as well if there's any team that actually represented what the season is like it's like united a crazy team for a crazy season i i think after they beat sheffield 3-2 i away at home that is a 10th consecutive away win in the premier league that's an incredible record it's actually a stat that's not been talked about enough to uh, in my opinion i think there was there probably the third team ever in the premier league to do that i believe i think after uh, city and after chelsea's uh, 2007 2008 side so away from home they're doing great and like you said i think six consecutive time they have come from behind to take the lead great again but again like i always mention why is the why is there a need to come back make a comeback the, why is the why is the squad starting so slow and why aren't they taking uh, the attack to the opposition side immediately because they take time to get into the group 10 15 minutes every game and people's teams have started recognizing that and they started attacking and implementing their attacking formations in such a way that they can get an early lead right so that's something for united to work on and defense again set pieces problem that's something they need to work on as well i don't know what they're doing what the coaching staff is doing because it's been going horribly wrong in terms of set pieces uh they've been trying zonal marking which is evidently not working so something and to be fair if united win their away game uh, their uh, sorry uh, their game in hand which is uh, if i'm not wrong is burnley away they're actually second in the table they leapfrog um, tottenham who would have thought at the beginning of the season uh, lost horribly at home against tottenham lost against crystal palace at home and i really thought this season was going to be a mess and solskjaer was under great pressure and we were talking about why lampard gets away with it i think lampard should be under more pressure but english quota again you know how the english media are and the added pressure of being a united manager it's always going to be you know questions question marks are always going to be sent out, uh, sent out to you especially after being knocked out from the champions league after being in such a good position as well so if they need to yeah. sort out their home form i don't know what's happening with the home form the they have they i don't think they have had any open play goal in a while actually so that's something they need to work on but um, yeah if it like i said if there's any team that represented this bizarre season it's united they're actually good and bad at the same time i just don't can't work out how i mean i think i'm not i'm not going to be i mean i'm not coming out as a biased arsenal fan here or someone who hates united here but i think united have been pretty lucky in the season to be honest because all those games which seem to go against their favor they somehow pull it back credits to their uh, mentality for sure but then it's clearly not going too far away from them and it's always in their reach because the see the teams can clearly be 3 or 4 nil up and they somehow seems to be one or two nil up but united pull them back and come back and that those are the kind of wins and those are the kind of points which massively benefit them and put them in this strong position in the table after their disappointing start to the season so yeah massive credits to ole and united for pulling this back too soon to say if their title contenders though but with the with the luck they are riding in right now and with the mentality they are and with the squad i mean everyone seems to be performing well in 
uh, in the away form and also in the Premier League on general, in the second half at least. So let's see where United goes in from here because they are putting a strong case for top four, that's for sure. And as of another manager who is under pressure, I'll just quickly talk about Mikel Arteta and Arsenal, where they had another poor week where they lost to Burnley and to uh, they drew against Southampton and they got more red cards than the amount of goals they scored. So, which shows the where the problem really is because whenever Arsenal seems to you know pull it back and you know get the game forward, because it was very evident that in, uh, against Burnley where we were not quite bad in the first half. Uh, Burnley had only one chance overall, but rather than that, we are really dominating and. Uh, the finishing again was so, so bad where Lacazette had easy chances and Saka had easy chances which he should have converted where he slightly hit straight in the goalkeeper because those are the kind of chances which open up the game and, you know, makes the game more expansive where you can get the second goal and Arsenal doesn't seem to get those chances. If I'm not wrong, our XG for the past uh, six, seven games are almost eight and we just scored two, I guess. So, that that clearly shows where the problem is and more than the manager who needs to be, uh, more than the manager, it's down to the players who are mainly letting him down with their poor finishing and their characters to let them up. Because it was very evident after the end of where the goal was clearly coming, and the ten the ten minutes was so good that we were putting pressure at them back after uh, back. And Jaka tries to do something stupid where he gets red card and he gets sent away and. A 10 versus 11 is a totally different game and we score our own goal and that's end of story. And even against Southampton where we had a great, uh, I mean, we responded after the Southampton's early goal that we dominated and we got the open play goal. He seems to be getting the second goal. But then again, uh, Gabriel gets a red card and he gets sent off. And even the last minute, uh, we somehow try to get a winner and holding it's the post. So... Luck is massively riding against Arsenal right now. Everybody is under pressure. And I think that one win will massively boost the confidence and, you know, break this kind of runoff form. So, let's just see where the win comes from because the fixtures are going to be tough with Everton, City in the Carabao Cup and Chelsea away, Chelsea home coming up in the uh, Boxing Day as well. So, that's about Arsenal. I think we mainly covered in the previous episode. So, you can uh, listen to that. Uh, nothing much has changed from our stance there. Uh, this is the players who are letting the manager down and let's just hope they pull it back and play for the manager right now. So we have come to the end of that segment. Uh, as I said. So moving on to the next uh, next part of our podcast. Um, so we so the Champions League fixtures has been decided. We had a draw last week and some great fixtures to be seen. So we'll, probably, we'll go through each uh, fixture and we'll We'll discuss what was going to happen there because there's some fascinating fixtures there, side, some really good headweights uh, going against each other. Yeah, for sure. Uh, That's what you expect from a round of 16. And we got some nail baiting fixtures and some not so surprising ones, which we'll get into. The first thing is uh, obviously Gladbach versus Manchester City, where Manchester gets yet another easy round of 16 fixture. I mean, not as yet, but then Gladbachs are a pretty good side, to be honest. They are, uh, we talked about them in the last episode. Their league side, league form is not so particularly well. But then in Champions League, they have put in good performances. And I think this will, this will be a great uh, head-on-head against the two attacking sides. 
and with the form city are in right now with the fin uh deficiency they have this will be an interesting fixture right yeah i think like you said we were talking last week about how the gladback were kind of a dark horses um, in the competition and uh, as was this should be a really fascinating game because, because if you look at gladback's uh, gameplay they depend a lot on how their mid their midfielders and the wingers position themselves and they are having a they are having a bit of a, uh, injury concerns but as long as they're fit it should be a fascinating game um, it'll be manchester city's game to lose as for sure but it'll be at their peril if they underestimate gladback let's just do a quick prediction of it as well so what do you think is going to go in that game neil um i think city should go through i hope they don't to be honest but um i mean we all thought the same thing about leon as well but they've managed to get through to semi finals last season too so uh, i hoping is glad back but deep down i know city is going to get through so for me man city is going through yeah i think even i am going with man city as well because i think they are going to sign some striker in the january transfer window and that's going to help them in the long run and uh with that fit striker and maybe a fit aguero i don't think city losing this fixture in a two leg tie so i think city is going to go in yeah i agree but but i'm my fingers are crossed hoping for a gladback sub shock result there so moving on to the next game uh it's that should be straightforward as well it's lazio taking on the mighty bayern munich so i i don't see any surprises happening here i think for any other club we could possibly you know entertain a possibility of a shock but ben are just too good right now uh, i really don't see anything else happening yeah like we kind of predicted them to go all the way and win the title right so yeah. i think this is just a straightforward victory for ben i don't think lazio has even any chance even with the, you know a good zero immobile in the side so that's just a straightforward ben which in, in my opinion Yeah, I agree. I think both of us will agree on the same thing. But Bayern is go- uh, going to go through, and it's pretty pretty much straightforward according to us. So next up, we have oh, that's a very fancy fixture. Next up, we have Atletico taking on Chelsea. So Sai, what do you think? Heavy weight clash there. Uh, had you asked this? Had you asked this? You know, one or two weeks back. I would have probably said this is going to be a tight game with Chelsea going ahead with Atletico, but then after seeing their performances and after looking at them on a whole with all their worries against the top side, I think Atletico will be just too good for Chelsea because they have the firepower to get past this, and we all know how organized Simeone's defense is. So if they can't find a way past, let's say. Uh, Everton or a Wolves defense, I think it's going to be tough to get past against a Atletico defense unless something massively changes Chelsea's fixtures forms and you know suddenly the player starts to come out of life. Uh, I don't think there is any chance of upset here. I think Atletico Madrid are straight favorites. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. But but then we we mustn't forget that Chelsea did put four goals past Sevilla as well. So. There's definitely talent there. It should be a really cracker of a game, to be honest. And uh, Simeone has changed his. But then Sevilla and Atletico are 
quite a drastic difference because Atletico are probably one of the best defensive sides in Europe, both statistics and the gameplay-wise. And they are, I think, if I'm not wrong, the best defensive side in La Liga right now. So I don't think it's going to be as easy as playing against no, a Sevilla defense. But then, yeah, I do get a point. No, no, it's going to be easy. What I was trying to say that there is capability from the Chelsea side. Obviously, we were talking about how talented the squad is. So, they, it's going to be a great game, that's for sure. Uh, and Simeone has changed his style a bit. Yes, he still focuses on his defense being solid most of the time. But now his attacking force is revolving around the young, you know, uh, young Yao Felix, who seems to have come to life. I don't really understand why people are calling him a flop. It's almost as if a young boy coming into a new league with new culture and new life is taking time to adapt to everything. And he has already, he is getting into the group, he is playing well. And people around him are playing well as well. They're, uh, Atletico is actually, for the first time since I've seen Simeone uh, taking over Atletico, is the first time I'm actually seeing some a sign of expansive you know, football. So maybe Simeone is evolving, who knows. So I, I, like you, I'll agree. Uh, I'll agree with you, to be honest. Atletico should go through. But I'm hoping it's a good game. It looks like a fascinating game on paper. So, fingers crossed for a cracker. Yeah, totally. And I think Carrasco, Laurenti, everybody seems to be playing well uh, in recent games. And I think that the attacking talent, uh, Simeone has much more to work than in previous years. And also, obviously, as Suarez. So, we never know how he's going to turn up in the Champions League picture. So that's that's going to be a big clash as well. At least on paper, that seems to be a good thing. But let's see where they are on form in that Feb month during these games. And next thing with next next fixture, in my opinion, is probably the most exciting fixture of this uh, Champions League draw, where Leipzig face Liverpool. That's going to be one cracker of a game where both sides are known for their relentless pressing and relentless attack and. One is an established tactical genius, Jurgen Klopp, and one is an upcoming tactical mastermind, and uh, Julian Nagelsmann. So that seems to be a great clash, right? Yeah, I agree, Sai. Uh, uh, it should be a cracker of a game. It's like, do you do you remember watching Leeds versus Liverpool on the match day one? I think it's going to be very similar that way, except the quality in the Leipzig side is going to be a lot better. Two relentlessly pressing machines, both the teams. Two outstandingly tactical, uh, tactically outstanding managers, uh, like you said. And Leipzig, only thing is that Leipzig do look vulnerable in the, in the defensive side in spite of having quality defenders. You always, have, when you're playing against Leipzig, you always know you will have a chance to score. And that's something Leipzig should take as soon. If they manage to fix that, this is going to be a cracker of a fixture. It's going to be, like you said, I think... For it's, I, it's the same for me as well. This has to be the standard fixture of this uh, round of 16 draw. Yeah, I think even the Dominic Soboslai signing from Leipzig is going to massively boost him in their attacking uh, talents, even on top of all the attacking talents they have in right now. And I, yeah, like we shouldn't forget that Leipzig left five past uh, Manchester United. So facing a Liverpool attack, which is much more lethal than a United attack, is going to be signs of concern for Nagelsmann. But then you can make the same case for Liverpool as well. We saw how Tottenham can open up Liverpool on the counter. And we know 
uh, Leipzig has a pretty good counter attack as well. So this is going to be a cracking game. But uh, I'm sticking with uh, Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool. I think they will narrowly make it through this game. Uh, I do think this is going to go one on one, like uh, Leipzig winning one game and Liverpool winning one game and Liverpool going on aggregate or something like that. So it's going to be that crazy of a game. But I'm going to stick with Liverpool and, and Jurgen Klopp. Mm, I'm. I know Leipzig did knock knock United out of the uh, group stage, but for me, Leipzig is going to get through. I think, in spite of all the quality, I know in deep down that Liverpool is going to qualify. But just like City, Gladbach, I'm hoping for a Leipzig win again. They definitely capable. That's for sure. Whether they'll be able to do it on the day, it's another question. So for me, Leipzig goes through. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there is an upset in this picture. So yeah, that's great. And uh, next game is also quite straightforward where Porto face on Juventus. I think there's nothing much to talk about in this game other than Ronaldo's going to turn up and he's going to completely dominate for Porto and finish this game. Finish the game single-handedly. I think it's straightforward, right? Porto is going to win this game. Looks straightforward enough. Porto Porto is kind of a dangerous side, but. Uh, I think just like Bayern, Lazio, I don't see much of a trouble for the Juventus side. So, yeah, so shall we move on to the next one, uh, which is quite an interesting picture. Yeah, yeah, let's move on. It is uh, Barcelona taking on PSG. And for the listeners out there, if you remember the last time they, the two teams did meet that you had you witnessed the historic comeback by FC Barcelona uh, having beaten the PSG 6-5 on aggregate. One of the, if not the best comebacks we have ever seen over two ties in recent times. So it's kind of a rematch, although times have moved on from both of them. Barcelona is struggling with financial and commercial stuff and they have problems uh, problems within the board as well. Meanwhile, PSG as always dominating uh, their Uber Eats League, but not able to make a statement in the Champions League. They did get to the finals last time, to their full credit, but PSG look vulnerable as well. Um, they barely got out of the group, which a group which they should be topping with the quality they have. And uh, it's going to be massive, actually. Both the teams have gone in different directions since then. So, massive, massive three games. And again, it's Neymar back at Camp Nou for the first time since he actually left it. So, some things to look forward to. Oh, what do you think is going to go forward, Neeraj? Uh, I think I think Neymar and Mbappe combined with Varati is too much for Barcelona to handle. But the problem is um, Messi. Barcelona, all, as long as you have Messi, you'll always have a chance. So, uh, I'm tending towards 55-45 chance towards PSG to go through. What about you, Sai? And I think Messi is going to be a bit too much for PSG to handle. Because we did, we did see that in the group stage, PSG are vulnerable in their defense. And uh, losing Thiago Silva was quite a big deal for them because they seem to be quite susceptible even though they have some good talents there. And uh, I I do believe that Messi is going to be the difference between these two sides. And uh, yeah, sure, there is an Neymar and Mbappe factor as well. 
and even Barcelona's defense is struggling a lot. But I'm just going to prefer Messi over those two. And I think Barcelona are going to make it through this game. Uh, we never know if Messi might not even be there in Barcelona when this game happens. He might be even playing for the other side uh, if things go crazy. But if all things stick by whatever it is right now, I do believe that Messi is going to pull them back and you know, take them to the next round. But that's, as you said, it's a bit of a tre- stretch to ask a single man to do everything for the club. But yeah, that's going to be a, a great fixture, at least on paper, with a couple of great players going at right against each other. So let's see what ha- happens in this game. And the next fixture is uh, Sevilla versus Dortmund, where both of the team are not quite ca- convincing uh, or quite good in this season. Sevilla are on and off in the league form. And I think they kind of wish they dropped to Europa League where they would have had a better shot of getting a trophy than being in Champions League. But then Dortmund are also going through a crisis right now. They sacked their manager and they brought in a new assistant uh, coach who's, who got, has been in his first game in charge. But then it's a bit too much to ask him to you know take them past the Champions League round of 16. Uh, so I think Sevilla can make this through with narrow margin, but I wouldn't be surprised if Dortmund pulls it back because it's a long time between now and the fixtures. So, if Dortmund appoints a new manager or if he comes and you know changes things up, I think they might have a chance to go through. But as of now, I'm going to stick with Sevilla. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sevilla definitely do sound like they are the favourites, but even though Dortmund are in a bit of a crisis, they still have a Haaland, they still have a Sancho. They still have a Togan Hazard. They have players, quality in those players that can actually turn the game around on their own. They have special, special talent. And just because of that, I cannot completely rule out Dortmund. But even then, deep down, I know it's Hussein's game. This is... It's sorry. Um, but that. So deep down, you know that it's, uh, it's Sevilla's game to lose. I think Sevilla should go through. Yeah, I mean, I do agree the fact that Dortmund has superior talent over Sevilla, and that's no doubt about that. But my only worry is that with the lack of manager they have right now, it's almost like they sabotage the season, knowing that they can they need to build back next year. So even the form of Sancho is not pretty good, and Haaland is injured, and we don't even know how he's going to come back or when he's going to come back. So those are the doubts which make me pick Sevilla over Dortmund as well. So the yeah. final fixture, um, oh, this is going to be a very fascinating fixture as well. It's Atlanta taking out Real Madrid. Oh, that is actually a very fascinating fixture, Saifu. I'm actually very intrigued with that. Atlanta, we all know from last season, Gasparini's side has been immense in their attack. One of the best attacking sides in the footballing world right now. Even though they have technically not been doing well as good as they have been doing last season, they're still a very threatening force to deal with. And Madrid, well, barely got out through the group. Almost had a scare of being knocked out. Did end up being champions of the group, but that's, it's it's going to be tricky because that league form was also up and down, up and down, uh, you know, with big uh, injury problems and players not f- firing uh, consistently. But the, they have they have had a couple of good results uh, the la, uh, last couple of footballing weeks. So, Sai, Atlanta, Real Madrid, is it an upset? 
I mean, I don't think so because Real Madrid seems to struggle mainly in the not so big games, and they seem to drop points there because they lost against Cadiz or some those kind of sides. But then, when there were games where they need to make a statement or where they need to get a win, for example, the game against Sevilla, the game against Gladbach, and recently against the uh, Atletico Madrid and the Madrid derby, they seem to put a statement performance. And I think this is one of those games where. Uh, the real mattered old heads are going to turn up and they're going to put a statement performance there as well and i think atlanta as much as they are a really good side where they even beat liverpool at anfield uh, this is i think real mattered are a completely different side when they are under pressure and when they need to get the crucial wins and we all know even after their poor league performances they did win a hat-trick of champions leagues so this is one of those games where they are going to pull their character and you know be the dominant force against atlanta yeah i agree sir i think again real madrid should go through but it won't stop it from being a really very interesting game to watch as a neutral so again i agree with you madrid is going to go through that uh, fixture as their fixture to lose so i think that's it from that segment as well i uh, i know there's still a couple of months away uh, you know for the champions league to return we are just making our you know early predictions based on the forms they've been going through or the sort of sides they have obviously we still have a january market and lot of opportunities for sides to you know um, strengthen the squad as well and it'll be very interesting to see there's some really good fixtures there really fascinating fixtures for a neutral to watch so we'll see what happens in the champions league promises to be an exciting tournament this year as well so i think we have come to the end of this episode uh, i think me and sai had a lot of fun discussing you know the season so far for the especially for the top six clubs and giving our early predictions for the champions league as well and uh, this is the uh, december always promises a lot of uh, footballing action especially from the premier league um, so you, as most of you know uh, it's a festive time so there's a lot of footballing action for you guys to sit and enjoy and we'll me and sai will be back next week with more content we'll see you guys soon